We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 21st edition of the RotoWire NFL Podcast, Week 2. It's in the books. I'm Joe Bartle. Turn alongside me is Jake Latarski. Jake, did you get suffered uh, or did you have to deal with a lot of injuries this week or have you kind of been able to pass through this first big wave? This was a very unique week because I feel like after I did inactives on Sunday morning, I went to uh, sit on the couch to watch the Packers and I think there was a horseshoe right there that I sat right on top of <laughs> because I somehow managed to avoid... A lot of the carnage. I only had one Christian McCaffrey share in 10 drafts for perspective. One Christian McCaffrey, zero Saquon Barkley, zero Cortland Sutton. You know, I already am dealing with a little bit of Kittle and Bell from past weeks. But uh, as far as the real, real big bombs, I I seem to have avoided that. We're going to knock on wood over here. Um, But nonetheless, there will be some replacement to do, and there will always be... uh, benches that can be made better and there are plenty of candidates to do so this week yeah i guess my bad luck benefited me i had 16 drafts never once got the number one overall pick uh only twice had the number two in one of those i actually took zeke over barkley anyway beautiful so it's great uh in a dynasty league i had michael thomas and barkley we're going to be dealing with that anyway. Uh, i have a lot of aj brown shares i have a decent amount of george yep. kittle shares 
But I, honestly, it feels like everybody is dealing with injuries. And this was from Le'Veon Bell last week, too. A few more of the running backs kind of being uh, uh, question marks as well. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a problem, I think, for most of the year, whether it be due to the lack of the training camp or anything else that you want to talk about. The 49ers can mm-hmm. play on the turf all they want to. It's just something we're going to have to manage with. It's mm-hmm. the downside to having an NFL season, and I'll take the upside of having an NFL season over that. Yeah, you know, I always joke in Stake League, like the league that we do, where the points matter the most. If you want to eat steak, just make sure you buy Ezekiel Elliott and Travis Kelsey at whatever they cost because they're the most consistent, non-injured dudes out there, and then they'll then they'll keep you going here as I sit here and knock on more wood. But no, but no, that's the way to go. Uh, fortunately, my AJ Brown shares have been balanced out by my Calvin Ridley shares, which is it has been amazing. You know, he's got like triple the amount of touchdowns of Julio Jones since he entered the league, so that's wild. Um, but yeah. Let's let's get into uh, some Monday Night Football, and then uh, we can get to our waiver wire picks because there are a ton this week. Yeah, this is going to be one of the more important podcasts that we do the entire year. We said that about week one as well, but mm-hmm. with all the injuries that are happening, I'm sure everyone out there listening is going to have to try to scramble to figure out what to do, how to order your waiver wire priorities, or try to pick up guys um, you know, off the auction. So we'll get to it. I want to talk about the Monday Night game a little bit first. You got to watch all of it. I got to watch all of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, first takeaway, as a Packers fan, I'm excited. Yeah, I, as a Packers fan, there's not a lot to look forward to in Wisconsin sports. Bucks let me down. Brewers lost mm-hmm. last night. They might be out of the playoffs. But hey, Packers two zero, and they're going to face the Saints next week. If Michael Thomas is out, that offense looks completely different. And for those mm-hmm. of you out there, I think Michael Thomas is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Monday night game, that was your reinforcement of the opinion because Drew Brees mm-hmm. certainly did not look uh, ultra efficient. <laughs> See, as a Packer fan, I watched that game and I'm actually worried as hell because Kamara looked freaking <laughs> amazing and they cannot stop. I mean, Delvin Cook ate him up. Uh, you know, Carry on Johnson on the very first drive yeah. at 40 yards too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they went down 7 nothing in that game. So, uh, I mean, Elvin Kamara looked like an absolute stud yeah. worth every bit of the 4th, 5th, whatever. You know, if, if Edwards Lair maybe snuck in front of you in a draft like uh, – like like our final one, yes. For example, uh, but no, I'm very happy to have Kamara in uh, in that league that I do, and he looks like he's going to be. He could very well finish as the top running back, given the injuries to the top two. It'll be kind of him and Zeke and and some Delvin Cook neck and neck. I bet. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was going to say if you're doing DFS lineups for that contest, I mean, Kamara has to be your captain spot for sure. Just mm-hmm. like I thought, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is going to have an Aaron Jones day last week, mm-hmm. and that ended up being true. Kamara for for certain. But I mean, that's the only offense the Saints seem to have. We mm-hmm. had Traquan Smith step up as the guy, and I do it in quote-unquote here, mm-hmm. um, because he only had four catches for 84 yeah. yards. Emmanuel Sanders he, was nowhere was, to be found. He because he, His first reception came in the last minute of the game. Everyone Sanders thought. is washed up. I've been yeah. saying this now for it feels like a year. I don't think people understand that Sanders just isn't very good mm-hmm. at playing football anymore. That's yeah. great, and that's fine. And, and the role that he had to do when Michael Thomas was healthy, healthy was that speed threat that 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 uh, Ted Gid Ted Ginn kind of role? Mm-hmm. And now he can't be asked to do more because he's not just not that very good. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's how it is. So you, so you mix a receiver that's starting to be kind of washed up with a quarterback that is pretty much kind of washed up. I forget who tweeted it, but I think uh, I, I saw a real funny tweet last night about Drew Brees where, like, he was ready to retire, pack it up, and then he realized Tom Brady was going to sneak in and take his job. <laughs> he had a little bit of fear of missing out, and then he, he's like, never mind, never mind, I'm back. You know, when he's <laughs> mentally ready for the broadcast booth and then he comes back, I wish I could give credit to that. You know, I look through Twitter and, and you see fantastic tweets all the time, but that's one that really really stuck out to me um so yeah maybe you know maybe he was half out of it going in but uh i think he'll be he'll be back to some degree once um 
once uh, Michael Thomas is back. There are just too many weapons, yeah. and at the very least, he'll play that uh, you know that uh, older veteran quarterback dumping it off to Kamara because Kamara is one of the best in the game to do that. Breeze is fine as a quarterback too, but a lot of times I've Breeze in two leagues, uh, and both of them I also have Matt Ryan, and it's a Matt Ryan every start from here on out until I have to. Well, yeah, and we know the Packers defense can be had. I was actually surprised Stafford and company didn't get more junk time production, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the way that game got out of hand after that very long Aaron Jones run to start the second half. Still, I, th- I think the Saints offense is better than the Lions, and we know Drew Brees can do those f- short dink and dunk four and five yard passes. This isn't Blake Martinez that's getting victimized by Kamara, though. It's going to be Christian uh, Christian Kirksey, who I think has played a little bit better. Again, I'm, I'm all in on Kamara. I think he's going to have a fantastic week. Yeah. But I felt better looking at those wide receivers without Michael Thomas and saying, hey, this could be a different situation. You look in the Raiders side of things. I was going to say, let's give the Raiders a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, I they mean, looked amazing. They were incredible. Derek Carr, especially, he targeted. 11 different receivers. Of course, Darren Waller got almost all of the work um, you know, out of those targets. Waller got 16 targets. Nobody else had more than three, to put that right, in perspective. But 11 different receivers. That's a pretty standout performance from Carr as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Henry Ruggs was not a part of that equation whatsoever. I think he had one catch overall. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember seeing like an interference play that was drawn out of it. Yep. Did they target him on that last throw uh, deep that – that got the interference was that Rugs or was that somebody else? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was Rugs. I'm not 100. percent It could have been Edwards. That's... That. I mean, Zay Jones was getting red zone targets. Yeah, Nelson mm-hmm. Aguilar had one. He only had. It would surprise me. He only had one target. It was a real nice. Uh, I, I don't know how to even describe that route where it's almost like a button hook, but then he looks like he's heading for the sidelines, and then he sneaks up, sneaks mm. back around. Looked crazy athletic on that, and they didn't use him more. But he really did a great job spreading the ball around. Minus Darren Waller, who could be right back at he. Waller showed that, especially with this kind of volume and you know these kind of ball skills and his ability to get open at all three levels of the field. You know they showed a graphic that had every different defensive position basically covering him and he excelled against all of them he absolutely deserves to be in that uh, Kelsey Kittle conversation after last week yeah and I I think most people were fading him only not because of his opportunity or anything like that, just because there was options mm-hmm. cheaper. I mean, that's kind of yeah. one of the reasons why I ended up going that direction. You could get the Tyler Higbees of the world in round 9, 10, and 11, and Waller, he didn't know if he was able to repeat that. I think it's safe to say that's going to happen. And we know the Raiders' defense can be had, but it's good to see that the offense can churn together so much production, mm-hmm. really without Josh Jacobs being a standout guy. Yeah. I, I mean, Jacobs looked great. I, I continue mm-hmm. to be amazed with how fast he looks on the field compared to what we saw out of Alabama and even in the Combine, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just looks completely different. Well, And just the physicality, even when he wasn't... 100% healthy you know he came off the field for a little while then he kind of came back for the final drive ended up taking on 27 of the team's 35 carries uh, you know Jalen Richard he had that one very costly fumble then made up for it with the touchdown but Jacobs just being physical in the fourth quarter is going to be huge for the Raiders I mean that four minute offense they got the ball with exactly four minutes left and they needed to do something with it and they absolutely did so uh, Jacobs is going to be an excellent fantasy player I remember seeing rumors towards the end of last year that maybe he had like I, I don't know if it was a, cra- a slight crack bone his hip or his ribs that he was just playing through for the whole time so we know the guy can play through injuries they mentioned on the telecast that uh you know that with Alabama they always had these giant committees and he never really got overused there and uh now he has a chance to be the bell cow and it's going to work out for the Raiders it's going to work out for fantasy owners yeah I'm not sure if you're able to trade for Jacobs after last night's game certainly you couldn't after week one he had that monster performance mm-hmm. along with Adams it just wasn't going to happen Bye high. <laughs> but well I just think that there's a guaranteed role for Jacobs and even as a pass catcher too that 
cause a little bit of concern if you were in standard leagues, you're drafting Jacobs in the first round easy. Mm -hmm. In full point PPR, it's maybe a bit more of a fade. That's clearly not going to be a concern for him moving forward, and I think he's a top five, top seven fantasy running back the rest of the way, especially with the Mm -hmm. offense able to generate as much yards as possible. If you only have one guy that does red zone stuff when running the ball, well, yeah, you want to go ahead and get that one guy. Mm -hmm. It's going to work out for Derrick Henry at some point. I think the same can be said for Josh Jacobs. Jacobs even missed out uh, uh, on on a much bigger fantasy game because you know they gave him the ball at the goal line and he got stuffed he, he got stuffed a couple times you know he didn't quite get it over and that one that he almost fumbled you know didn't quite punch it in the goal line i'll give the saints some credit because their defense demario davis just looks like a madman out there they're a good defense and uh they ended up you know rolling out on fourth and and inches and, and tossing it to darren waller for the touchdown instead of jacobs it could have even been a bigger day but he's your he's your unquestioned carry leader your unquestioned red zone carry leader uh you know he's going to end up you know i mentioned that kind of elite tier of running backs he's right there and it's making owners that kind of drafted at the back end of that first round maybe you know that 8 to 12 spot that mm-hmm. you that you liked when we talked about it earlier in the show those guys are those owners are the, the ones that are close to the top of the league right now yeah for sure uh i did want to mention brian edwards just again one more time two uh two catches for 42 yards really it was only darren waller that was the primary target for Derek carr throughout the game but there's talent there, and, mm-hmm. and he just looks – when I saw him do that crossing route, the second reception, I got about 21 yards, he looked like A.J. Brown, a smaller A.J. Brown, but he looked like A.J. Brown, being aggressive, being assured with the catch, and being able to make things happen because he's a big body and able to do big body stuff after. I don't know. I, I You're not going to be going out there and aggressively picking up uh, Brian Edwards just because he caught two passes for 42 yards, but he looks like a player that could be something in the right scheme. I'm not certain this Raiders offense – necessarily is that but he's definitely a player and I, I'm, I'm convinced of that yeah maybe talk to me next week after the Patriots but I just can't get that excited about someone who's only targeted twice uh, especially when there's all these other great options on the wire this right. week exactly and let's get to it I mean we are the the premier waiver wire podcast the Rotowire network right we're the only one so therefore we can be <laughs> yes, uh, I like it but there's a lot of different options out there that we're gonna have to focus on whether it be a quarterback running back wide receiver a lot of different plays and pickups you might need to have again for the the focus of this podcast and listeners who have not participated in in past weeks we really try to target players that are under 50 percent owned five zero 50 percent owned in yahoo leagues we try to go a little bit deeper especially for those two qb formats out there that seems to be more of a prevail prevailing league standard um mm-hmm. super flex getting steam for sure yeah so i mean like Which, we, we, we try just to added into that we have my leagues tools on our website yes. where you import your league and do all this stuff i just heard uh, today that we added the super flex option there so if you have a super flex league go ahead and look on the site try to re-import your league we got you covered awesome Quick yeah. plug. So again, under 50% owned for Yahoo Leagues. We'll start out with the quarterback position. Uh, we know Drew Locke going to be out for at least multiple weeks. Um, I, I don't know. Like like Jeff Driscoll was fine um, in his in his performance. But there's probably other guys that you can pick up instead if you are trying to make up for a Drew Locke. And again, if you're starting Drew Locke, it's for sure a 2QB league. So I think this applies in most scenarios. First up, probably Ryan Tannehill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the first name that you check. Uh, the availability may not be there. He just beat our, our threshold at 46% as of Monday night. But there's a lot of things to like about that. Number one is his week three matchup at Minnesota. Minnesota's defense has been torn apart so far by opposing opposing quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers looked like the next surefire MVP against the Vikings. 
they don't really have any cornerbacks anymore. You know, their best cornerbacks are gone. Anthony Barr, uh, one of their better linebackers, Torres Pectoral, out for the season. Daniel Hunter still on IR. And they've had, uh, and Tannehill on his own has had back to back weeks with 200 yards and two touchdowns. Not to mention he's the 12th graded quarterback by Pro Football Focus so far. So QB 12, you know, right? He's a QB 1 by that perspective in your standard 12 team leagues. And it's only going to get better if he hopefully gets A.J. Brown back in the near future. So I think Tannehill needs to be picked up and, and rostered, at the very least, as your QB2 for the rest of the season. He's definitely a huge streaming option as well for me this week. I guess I'd have to see in relation to other people. But there there might not be nine other quarterbacks or 11 other quarterbacks I'd rather start against this Vikings defense this week. So it would be tough. Mm-hmm. But if you're maybe debating between Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who's had some pretty good fantasy outings so far, or Ryan Tannehill against this Vikings defense right now, I think mm-hmm. Tannehill easily fits into that conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And then uh, <clears throat> moving down the list, the next guy I really like, you know, we got to talk about him again. Gardner Minshew, only 32% rostered. He gets a home game against Miami, who made Josh Allen look like, uh, you know, uh, video game numbers for Josh Allen here. Uh, Gardner Minshew on his own has had 20-plus fantasy points and three touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. I expect that while I rank him a little bit below Tannehill because the Minnesota matchup is, is just so glorious. I rank him a little bit below Tannehill, but I think Minshew is a guy that should be owned for not only this week and, and maybe moving forward. Yeah, I'm looking through and I'm making sure. Like the Thursday night game thing, does that does that concern you at all? Uh, Jacksonville plays Miami on Thursday. Ryan mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick kind of looks sneakily good because that's what Fitz, Fitzpatrick has done his entire career last week against mm-hmm. a Bills defense that was supposed to be excellent. I feel like weird things happen on Thursday, and there could be no weirder thing in the year 2020 than two Florida teams playing in a Thursday night game. But does that mm-hmm. b- benefit you, or is that like, eh, I'm going to stay away? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look at the Thursday night rule isn't isn't def- it's not a sure cemented rule here. I mean, Cleveland and Cincinnati, two teams that we generally gen- gen- I thought that actually applied to what I was saying, though, mm-hmm. that they had crazy offense last Thursday. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they were crazy. And uh, the other thing I would like to mention about uh, Minshew is that DJ Chark is arguably his number one target. Is he's a limited participant on uh, Monday's injury report? He's dealing with a chest injury, so something to watch out if he loses his top target. Maybe that pegs him down on the rankings a little bit. You know, still behind Tannehill, but yeah, Minshew makes another appearance here. Good matchup this week. Possibly a QB two rest of season. Okay, so Baker Mayfield under fifty percent owned. He uh, faces the Washington franchise this week. That's a perfect example. If it's Tannehill or Mayfield. I'm easily taking Tannehill every, Tannehill every single time. Like it's it's not even close uh, in the comparison. Are you kind of right there with me on that? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, there's a reason I listed Baker Mayfield third in this bunch of people, even though uh, he's a little bit more higher roster than those other two guys. Of course, Mayfield looked pretty decent against the against the the Bengals. He looked pretty brutal against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, but everyone does, right? Every, it's the Ravens. Exactly, everybody does. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit better matchup coming into this week. Uh, but this, the whole thing with this Cleveland offense, their success is going to depend on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's not going to depend on Baker Mayfield slinging it around a little bit. So I think that's going to depress the fantasy numbers a little bit moving forward. He's fine, but you need to be careful with your matchups with May- Mayfield. He might be a QB2 that maybe you plug in on bye weeks and also could sneak onto the drop list if you end up seeing an opportunity for one of these top players. Okay, last guy of the group, Philip Rivers against the Jets. He's 27% owned right now. 
We saw uh, what Mullins do things actually pretty effectively as the backup quarterback for the 49ers this past week against the Jets. Mm-hmm. We know the Jets are one of the worst, if not the worst, franchises in the NFL right now at the, at the moment. Mm-hmm. But we also know that Rivers is Phillip Rivers, which isn't necessarily a great thing yeah. unless you're facing the Vikings defense. Yeah, this is strange. This is another team that really wants to run the ball first and make Jonathan Taylor, at least it seems, like the primary focus of their offense. But oddly enough, uh, Phillip Rivers, the pro football focus, puts some nine out of all quarterbacks in 2020, which uh, you know, there's some short sample size here that probably has a little bit to do with that. Um, so, so you know, apparently he's playing all right. At least he's not completely washed. Also, you need to factor in the fact that he lost Paris Campbell for a significant chunk of time. That gives us a chance to talk about some of the other Colts receivers later in the show. But Rivers is the final guy I put in that uh, – maybe one quarterback league tier before we make the jump to guys that you'd really only consider in, in two quarterback and super flex formats. All right. Can I give you a hypothetical? I, I know this is tough, but I imagine a lot of people are going to be having this conversation. Do you want to start Tom Brady against the Broncos defense? Do you want to start Carson Wentz, who's been very, very bad this year against the Bengals defense? Or would you rather have Tannehill uh, if he's available and off the waiver wire against the Vikings? Ooh. So, um, Brady, ooh, that gets tough because I'd right? want to look at the yeah. I'd want to look at the Chris Godwin status there a little bit mm-hmm. too. That might play in, in, into the situation. He's supposed to play. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Bruce Arians gave him the fully clear from the the concussion protocol. Even even Monday, mm-hmm. I think he's he's good to go so long as there isn't anything that creeps up. Yeah. But just assume he's out there. Yeah, Brady gets interesting because of course the Broncos down AJ Bouye, they're down Von Miller. They that defense, you know, throw a few injuries in there and maybe it's not quite the well, same. Even their as, offense, yeah. right? Drew Locke mm-hmm. too. Uh, Cortland yeah, Sutton done exactly. for the year as well. Mm-hmm. That gets game script out of hand real quick. Yeah, I, I, but I'm does thinking, Brady factor in on that? I, I'm thinking I go Wentz Tannehill Brady as the one two three because Wentz seems to have a little bit of Jameis in him this year where he's going to turn the ball over and possibly uh, you know, and come back. And I know it wasn't necessarily great. He didn't throw any touchdowns. He turned the ball over a couple times, but he get the, he gets the Bengals, which could be the exact you know the the medicine that he needs. To they get have back no on pass track. rush. They have no pass rush, and we mm-hmm. saw it on Thursday night. Um, Baker Mayfield, if he was moving out of the pocket, it wasn't because anyone was pressuring him, it's just because that was a design play. Mm-hmm. I think I want Tannehill first out of that group over yeah. once. You can, you, I mean, really, it is, a, it feels like a coin flip. I think once is going to be fine enough where if you have to start him against the Bengals, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if Tannehill is available in over 50% of the leagues, I, I think he got a roll against what we're seeing with this Vikings defense, which just mm-hmm. looks bad and only got worse with those injuries you mentioned. Yeah, the decision absolutely gets really interesting. Uh, but, you know, I factor in that Miles Sanders will be back for a second week. You know, we're starting to see a little bit more Jalen Rigor involved. He won't have to depend on as many Deshaun Jackson air yards. He's still got that two tight end system that's there. I think that there's a, if anything, I'd almost consider buying low on Wentz a little bit if you're hurting that quarterback. But, yeah, I'll uh, gladly trade him. I have a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm fine this week, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That offensive line and the way the Eagles have looked these past two weeks mm-hmm. against teams that we, we knew were okay, but not not like world beaters right now, mm-hmm. they've made the Eagles look really bad. So I can see where people are going to be like, oh, I don't know if I can start Carson Wentz. If Tannehill's available, I'm going that direction. Mm-hmm. I would rather have Wentz over Baker Mayfield. I would rather have Wentz over Phillip Rivers, too. Oh, yeah. Do you, you feel that way as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to just make sure. Um, let's get to the two QBs I talked about a little bit earlier. Drew Locke, at least set to miss the next two weeks. He's going to go against your Buccaneers defense. Uh, Jeff Driscoll now next up for Denver. I think Mario had tweeted this out probably back in March, and it was very clear and obvious that the Broncos were trying to make Drew Locke 
the starting quarterback. That was going to be a thing, and therefore they weren't going to sign a Cam Newton. It sure looks bad now with how how Cam Newton has played this mm-hmm. far, but you wanted to give confidence and make that second-round pick look better. As a result, you now have Jeff Driscoll as the backup. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Driscoll, to his credit, did okay. He's a very mobile option. There are worse players to go after in a 2QB league with his mobility, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fair enough. He, he gets in there, but it, you have to keep in mind it's probably a short-term Add necessarily not only because Drew Locke gets his job when he comes back. Also, remember they signed Blake Bortles. Maybe yep. he'll compete a little bit. You know, who knows? Maybe Blake Bortles isn't completely washed. He's got plenty of experience, more experience than a guy like Driscoll. Um, Driscoll's fine. He started finding Noah Fant more than more than Locke was later on when the game came in. I know Fant got off to a little bit of a slow start. The offense, of course, took another big hit with Cortland Sutton. So you have to rely on a rookie in Jerry Judy to be kind of your main go-to receiver there. Maybe he's not quite ready for that yet, but uh, you know they've got Melvin Gordon so some kind of fair amount of running game I don't know the weapons are there I don't I'm not crazy about it I'm more likely to try and and target the Tampa defense in this situation but Driscoll's capable enough you know so he he deserves a mention here but I'd be keeping expectations in check a little bit I'll take Driscoll over Nick Mullins who seems slated to start for Jimmy Garoppolo Garoppolo more than likely isn't going to play in the second rendition of the Mm -hmm. Niners in the Meadowlands uh, of course, they had a number of injuries, and they're blaming the turf for part of that. Okay, fine. Um, I, it's not even that Nick Mullins is that bad. I mean, we saw uh, we saw Nick Mullins do pretty good against the Jets, mm-hmm. who are basically a second-tier organization right now yeah. in the NFL. I just don't know what the pass catchers that the 49ers currently have. Uh, they're going to be out most hurt more than likely. Tevin Coleman is set to mm-hmm. miss multiple weeks as well. It is just Jarek yeah. McKinnon, possibly Jordan Reed, maybe George Kittle comes mm-hmm. factoring in. Yeah. I don't I know. Remember, like I just I don't want to go there. In, in the past, when Mullins, you know, had to start those late year games, he had some a lot of success finding Kittle, and that's really when Kittle was starting to he break out a lot. Yeah, 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 you know, and some of that was with Mullins at quarterback. So getting Kittle back would be a big uh, a big help for Mullins. I'd still, rate, I, I agree though. Driscoll goes above uh, above Mullins for sure, um, and then you got to. Justin Herbert, he sneaks in. He sneaks in there. I mean, Tyrod Taylor had that chest injury. Uh, you know, from what I saw, they tried to do an injection for an injury. It didn't quite go right. Um, and then you know, and then Herbert found out what you know a couple minutes before, before kickoff game time. Yeah, yeah, that that he's uh, that he's the guy. And man, he he surprised he me like great. crazy. He looked excellent. And it, which crazy, it's just so crazy that Anthony Anthony Lynn won't commit to him at this point. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is your guy that you just kind of float out there. You know, we saw the same thing with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland when when Tyrod Taylor was there. He's the guy that just floats out there and survives a couple of weeks until your rookie's ready. Looks like your rookie's ready here. So uh, what are we waiting for here? Yeah, if the decision by Anthony Lynn is that hey, we named Tyrod Taylor our starting quarterback for a reason. Okay, and I also understand maybe it's from a locker room perspective that you don't want to have a guy lose his job due to an injury, especially what kind of feels like a fluky injury. I mean, it's not very often mm-hmm. that the starting quarterback of an NFL team only moments before kickoff gets taken out. And, I mean, he had trouble breathing, had to go to the hospital. It sounds more than likely that Taylor is coming back to play. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think Herbert starts this week. I don't think so. And, and if Taylor is healthy, he's out there. But if the if – the, I was going to say, if the Chargers often struggles against the Panthers and that defense, it might not be time, another yeah. week before Herbert is out there. I mean – he did this against the reigning NFL champions, threw for over 300 yards, ran for a touchdown. He threw a costly pick, 
And that's kind of the reason why the Chargers lost that game. But you'll take the good that happened. There was, I, I was very impressed with how confident and how easy it looked to hit Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry over mm-hmm. the middle. And I know the Chiefs' defense isn't exactly special, but he just looked confident and comfortable. And that's mm-hmm. what I would not have expected and, for a guy that was getting knocked. And willing to take a hit too. I mean, he was, he was really uh, he was initiating contact in some of those situations, which uh, you don't always see from a rookie quarterback. But I feel like the plan all along is to have Herbert take over you know whether it was mid-season you know whether they I, I don't know if they wanted to necessarily sit him for an entire year and it was to wait till he's ready and, and just it, to me he looks he looks ready enough if he's able to hang with a team such as the Chiefs this long and uh yeah. I, well I, I wrote about on the RotoWire site the next level of the Herbert progression is getting Mike Williams more involved. He only had four targets. He caught two of them. That was the big upgrade. Like if you if you were drafting Mike Williams, you were drafting so hoping Taylor gets benched sooner rather than later because there's going to be more of a deep threat at, at, like a, mm-hmm. added to the dimension that is Mike Williams. Yeah. Taylor actually targeted Williams more than Herbert mm-hmm. did. So maybe there is just a get. Let's get Herbert comfortable yeah. intermediate throws, which is Allen and Henry special. Exactly. But that's going to be a different level. Yeah, it's, I, just, it's going to be a matter of time. I agree. Taylor with you. does nothing for the progression of your organization, right? Yeah, you no, know, I agree. And, and Herbert does. You know, Taylor's capable enough of maybe taking this team to five hundred. But where does that really get you in this situation? And and then and then the coach kind of throwing Herbert under the bus a little bit too. Like, yeah, uh, that, I found that a little bit strange. But uh, basically, okay. So to bring this kind of back to fantasy talk, if you're in a two quarterback or super flex league. And you need someone to start this week. It goes it goes Driscoll, Mullins, Herbert. Mm-hmm. But if you have your two guys and are looking for a third guy, then Herbert's number one on that list. I, I absolutely agree. And and Herbert might even be a higher a higher pickup than let's say Philip Rivers, for example. Rivers again has the good matchup against the Jets this week. Schedule the rest of the ways a little bit iffy. I think the AFC South division's pretty good. I think Herbert gives you a higher upside play if you're really trying to play out for the bye weeks mm-hmm. uh, down the road because he looked awfully good in a in a spot start in the truest of sense against the Chiefs. So let's move on to the running backs. I'm sure that's what most people are looking forward to listening to, or not, if you are a Saquon Barkley owner out there. Or hey, if you just owned a top two pick in most fantasy leagues, you're probably not excited to listen to this podcast because you're swimming right now. Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Barkley's going to be out the entire season. Torn ACL McCaffrey has the high ankle sprain at least four to six weeks. It could possibly mm-hmm. be more than that. You're going to be having to find a spot starts at the running back spot now, and you were hoping not to when you draft number one or two overall. Uh, I don't feel bad for you because I have no luck whatsoever, but you know I can get it uh, a little bit because it's a, it's a tough way to – figure out your fantasy football season with both mm-hmm. those guys gone. Yeah, yeah, it's just brutal. And I think we should start with Saquon Barkley uh, because there's a lot of moving parts here uh, necessarily. Deion Lewis, of course, is the first guy that comes to mind. He's only 6% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He was the only back to get carries after Barkley went out. He had 10 of them. And the only back to see snaps after Barkley's exit at 57. We've been down the Wayne Gallman road before. He's been kind of, you know, I remember doing this way last year, podcast. Yeah. yeah, last year when Barkley had to miss that stretch with, with what I think was a high ankle sprain, something similar to what McCaffrey's dealing with now. Uh, you know, Gallman got a lot of the waiver wire hype, but he just, you know, and he got a decent amount of the carries. It was the, it was the one game. It was that very first mm-hmm. week. And then after that, he just completely self-combusted. Yep. It felt like. It just didn't uh, translate to pr- production. So, all right. So Deion Lewis would be the logical, obvious choice, right? However, 
you know, I wanted to check right before uh, we started this segment. Um, you know, the news was 44 minutes ago from Mike Garofalo, but he went on NFL Network and he said that the expectation is that Devonta Freeman will sign with the Giants, provided all goes well with his COVID testing. So it sounds like Freeman just has to pass a COVID test and then we'll be okay, which makes things... Uh, Makes things very, very interesting here. Devontae Freeman, you know, after those first couple of weeks, he's only 15% rostered in Yahoo say, yeah. What's his number? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's tough. I mean, there's a lot of guys. So we have Christian McCaffrey, so Mike Davis, and we're talking about him a little bit, steps up. We have Jarek McKinnon now for sure as a one-week replacement with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert out. Um, we have probably Daryl Henderson, who looked fantastic um, with, with Cam Akers out of the picture as well. There's a number of running backs to pick up. When you are thinking short-term – I'm not sure Devonta Freeman fits into that factor. When you are thinking the rest of the season, is Freeman the top pickup for you out of this crew? Yeah, you know, this is this is tough because I'm on the spot here. I didn't really have time to think out this argument or anything before the show. I'm looking at this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, that it, that's my fault. Now, now that it's becoming <laughs> uh, the thing. But, you know, I, the more and more I see this, I'm thinking that uh, this could absolutely, uh, you know, be a favorable situation for him. Uh, you know, Deion Lewis will be in the mix, especially week one. You know, if you need a week three pickup, I don't think Freeman's going to be your immediate answer. Because, okay, let's say he you have to do waivers tonight. You're waiting on his COVID, COVID test. Let's right. just say best case scenario, he passes the COVID test. He's with the team, uh, you know, on Wednesday. Got a few days to practice beforehand. But, you know, it'll be kind of to me like Leonard Fournette in week one. Mm-hmm. In week two, Leonard Fournette, of course, he got a lot of the carries towards the end, and they leaned on him heavy to close the game out. In week one, he was just getting his toes wet, right? So if you need a week three pickup, you know, maybe Devontae Freeman isn't number one on the going list Going against here. the Niners this week, yes, right? Yes, going I mean, against the Niners. That's another thing, I mean, the, the Niners were hit hard by injuries, right? So we can't quite frame the Niners' defense matchup-wise in the same way that they were without, uh, you know, without Bosa, Bosa without Thomas. Thomas yeah. yeah. So um, they're there. But, you know, coming up at the Rams, uh, at the Cowboys, uh, Washington football team, you know, it's not like it's murderer's row here that he's going I, That's for. what I'm saying, yeah. I, I think – you're, I think people are going to get excited about Freeman because they remember what he did with the Falcons, and, and rightfully so. I, I do believe he's a really talented back. There is a reason, though, that teams haven't signed him. And and maybe it's just because we're not involved in it or we don't know his injury history or there's some personal aspect on the outside. The, the Freeman is too talented of a player, we think, to not have a job until September 21st. In a season where depth is the most important thing, you could sign veterans to practice squad contact, uh, contracts and bring them up at any yeah, point. But, uh, so here's the thing. Freeman was never going to take a practice squad contract. I think part of the reason he went unsigned, uh, not necessarily because there were red flags, but because he is looking for situations where he could actually come in and get carries and, be a, meaning, yeah. Yeah, and be a meaningful contributor, contributor because he's 28 years old. I know, you know running backs typically looking for big extensions at this age. It isn't going to happen, but he needs a place where he can come in and showcase this year and then maybe get one like two-year $15 million contract out of that or something along the lines after that. And this is a place where it could absolutely work. They bring absolutely. him on for a one-year deal. You know, 28 years old, he averaged a career-low 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, only his rookie year was in the ball. Park. Otherwise, he's averaged four per carry every single year uh, with the Falcons. Hundred eight uh, only scored twice last year, but he did have three rushes of a hundred of twenty plus yards in one hundred eighty four carries. So you know, kind of right on pace with his career averages in uh, those departments. You know, lost a handful of fumbles, but those are a little bit fluky. Uh, the receptions in twenty nineteen were right on par, fifty nine for four hundred ten yards and a career high four receiving touchdowns. So it's not like he was falling 
completely off the wagon here. 2018 was the year Freeman got hurt, and then he was back, you know, for 14 games in 2019. So I think that he's the guy that gives you the best season-long utility. Now I have to stretch my brain here. Again, didn't didn't really prepare for this, but what kind of fab bid do you throw out on him? How much is this going to... Well, here I'll I'll answer it because I think we need to have the conversation about Mike Davis and also Jarek McKinnon. Fair enough. I, I really don't think that this can be something that you're answered just by looking at one single player, mm-hmm. especially this week. So Christian McCaffrey again, uh, high ankle sprain at least four to six weeks. The Panthers don't look like one of the best teams in the NFL. They're not as bad as the Jets. I can say that right now. But they're still not going to be great. So do you really want to have your uh, – I don't even know how much to sign him for. It's escaping me right now. But certainly the high-profile running back, do you want to bring him back in a situation where more, more life than not you're not winning games anyway? Um, I don't think uh, McCaffrey out makes your opinion less on Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. So you don't really need to have that defined asset as well. I just think that there's going to be Mike Davis time for a lot of opportunities uh, Reggie Bonifant, who was their backup last year when McCaffrey got hurt, uh, was a practice squad guy. I'm sure he'll get caught up as well. We also saw Curtis Samuel get some carries, which is interesting to me as a guy that has Samuel in the mm-hmm. Dynasty League, but I don't think it's really actionable for uh, this pickup perspective. Mm-hmm. Davis is the guy, and unless they decide to go after Devonta Freeman too, which would be weird to me, I think Davis will be the guy for the intermediate as well yeah no i think we can pretty much rule out freeman going to, to carolina because again freeman wants to be featured right and christian mccaffrey will come back also freeman wants to go on uh, maybe not a competitive team because the giants aren't necessarily that either but i, I don't know i, I just I think actually giants... freeman freeman could could look better in the panther system if you want to but you're right mm-hmm. yeah i think mccaffrey yeah, is very action. Yeah, I just think that you can highlight Freeman's skill set better in the Panthers mm-hmm. office. It doesn't matter. Yeah, anyway, Mike yeah. Davis is the guy. 6% owned right now on Yahoo. Uh, he got, like, what was it, seven or eight targets when McCaffrey went out. So it's very clear that the system still revolves around passing to that running back spot. I wouldn't imagine it changes at all with a week of preparation either. Yeah. The difference is that the Chargers defense, who they, again, they're playing this week, they're pretty good against the running backs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was shut down. Uh, Joe Mixon was shut down as well in week two, or week one, I should say. Mm-hmm. So you might not get a lot of run out of Mike Davis this week, but you're going to have him for at least a month and mm-hmm. likely the starter for a month as well, which yeah. matters to me. I mean, you got Arizona after that, 26th against the run, Atlanta after that, 23rd against the run, the Bears after that, 14. And then that's when you start to think about maybe is Christian McCaffrey going to come back, you know, before New Orleans and, and Atlanta again. So yeah, Mike Davis definitely, I mean, the eight targets and eight receptions, you know, 100% catch rate there, 74 yards. So he only carried the ball once, so it's tough to know what, what we can get out of him. Mike Davis, the last time he was meaningfully featured was 2018 with Seattle. He carried the ball 112 times for 514 yards and four scores of 4.6 yards per carry. A couple of long runs in there. He was also targeted 42 times, caught 34 of those. Bingo. Bingo, yeah, exactly. And this is perfect for uh, Carolina. I think he needs to be he's, – he's the only guy up there that I think um, that I think will rival the Freeman bid here when we, when we get down to it because, uh, again – Taking the, especially if you're a McCaffrey owner, I, or I have McCaffrey in our in our Vegas league, and I need, you know, I'm, I'm already starting Frank Gore because I had Le'Veon Bell, right? Yeah. I'm not going to really expect McCaffrey production, but I think Mike Davis in both DFS and short term fantasy uh, are going to be huge uh, okay. this week. Third option then out of this group, Jarek McKinnon. Now he's 24% owned. Was a oh, it's a big target of a few of our Rotoware guys. Jim Coventry was in love with Jarek McKinnon 
Loved him at his price in that 14th or 15th round range. Chris Liss also was all for Jarek McKinnon, too. And, and it looks like it was the right call because even when Mostert and Coleman were healthy, I put that in quotes, McKinnon was still being featured. He caught a touchdown in week one, mm-hmm. uh, was, again, I think got some production again this past week as well, although it was kind of blow-up production. Raheem Mostert sprained his MCL more than likely, again, is going to be out for week three, if not longer. I have to imagine. I'm not an NFL athlete, but if I sprain my MCL, I'm probably not playing in the next week. Especially when he relies so much on his explosivity. His speed, right. Yeah, and then Tevin Coleman is in that generic category of missing a couple of weeks with a knee injury, which is mm-hmm. kind of how I would describe all of Tevin Coleman's career at this point. So McKinnon's the guy. We know Jeff Wilson is round. Huge touchdown vulture for the 49ers offense. We also know that they're going to have a backup quarterback in there, more than likely this week against the Mm -hmm. Giants, although it is the Giants. So I think this becomes a game script issue. If you believe that the the Niners are going to blow out the the Giants, even with a backup quarterback, then McKinnon should be a guy you're targeting because McKinnon is the one that's going to factor in on the blowout. Jeff Wilson Mm -hmm. might score or get some touchdown production, but McKinnon's getting at least 100-plus yards. In that yeah. scenario, McKinnon should be your low, lower dollar backup bid, a guy like Davis, even for the one week thing. Because I look at who else Carolina has. The only other active running back right now, I assume they'll sign someone from the practice squad. Um, I don't believe they've put McCaffrey uh, on IR yet. J- Michael Hasty, the guy from Oregon, he should be um, the, 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 the backup yeah. for sure. And Trenton Cannon is the only other one on the active roster for Mike Davis right now. Oh, Where, I was talking about the Niners. I'm sorry. Oh, oh That's my fault. So my fault. I, I was looking at the Carolina offense. They'll, they'll sign it's someone Reggie off Bonifant. the practice. Reggie Bonifant. Bonifant off the practice squad. Trenton Cannon's there. Um you know, compare that to in, in San Francisco where he's got, you know, known vulture Jeff Wilson. And I think that at least one of those backs will be back before McCaffrey is back, right? So you yeah. have you have comparable, you know, short term That's a good point. And a little comparable long term, but I think Carolina is still more favorable because that high ankle sprain, you know, Mike Thomas says he's going to play through it. Yeah, right. Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> I'm going to beat that and come back in three weeks. Okay, good luck. You know, the, the human body is only physically capable of so much, even at the top tier level. I don't level, think the Panthers want McCaffrey to come back mm-hmm. at that level either. Yeah, why bring him back and have him roll it again? You know, they, they just there's so many bad effects. That's part of the reason that the Saints are being smart and holding Thomas out. But anyway... So yeah, McKinnon is a guy that you back your your Mike Davis bid up with in case someone decides, okay, I'm going to spend $45 on Mike Davis this week. McKinnon is a guy you back him up with, but he should still be ranked behind Davis in your fab. Yeah, I'm all for McKinnon in DFS this week. If you're going to be going ahead and playing uh, Camaro like you should be, I don't know if they incorporate the Sunday night slates. Maybe it's a Sunday night, Sunday Monday thing. Anyway, I think I think McKinnon is, is a great DFS play, even with the concern about Jeff Wilson. If you believe the 49ers are going to be running through them, if not, um, I don't know. It's 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 tough. What I don't know what Kevin Payne had. Kevin Payne does our our waiver wire breakdown article and certainly had plenty of ink that he was spilling on the page this week with all the different injuries. Mm-hmm. But to me, when we were looking at Devonta Freeman, probably Deion Lewis too, when we're looking at Mike Davis and Jarek McKinnon, I'm putting a thirty to forty percent bid on both of those guys. Devonta Freeman and Mike Davis, mm-hmm. hoping I'm getting one of them. If I get both, that's okay. I think this might be the one opportunity where if I'm spending 70, 80% of my budget and getting two guys that are starting the rest of the season, there are no guarantees on starters yep. being available down the road. Sure, they they tend to prop up or cop, uh, crop up. I think I'm, I'm comfortable going that direction for both those guys. And fine, 
if I get both Devonta Freeman and Mike Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Payne, you know, not to give away the whole secret sauce, but he has Davis number one with fifteen to twenty five dollars, and then we're looking at uh, guys like Freeman at ten to twenty dollars, uh, Lewis eight to twelve, and there's one guy that he's got ranked ahead of Freeman even, uh, which becomes very very interesting and, and is related to our Justin Herbert discussion. That's Joshua Kelly. He's oh. only rostered in thirty nine percent of leagues, and uh, I could see that going up. I mean, he had one hundred thirteen yards from scrimmage, and he outtouched Austin Eckler. Um, so I could see this. Uh, yeah, you that's know, an interesting. That's an interesting name as well. And of course, I do the Chargers mm-hmm. stuff on the RotoWire site, so I've been kind of familiar with this. The Chargers. I mean, like I had the sniff out on it. Right, I, I knew right away that this was not going to be Austin Eckler gets all the work. They were going to make somebody be Melvin Gordon to Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. The, the Chargers were obvious about it. The part that was concerning to me was was Kelly going to be productive, and he has. He's looked really fluid with his carries. Mm-hmm. I I actually thought after his Week One performance uh, and with people's concerns about Austin Eckler and his stature and everything else, I thought honestly Kelly was going to be rostered to more than fifty percent of leagues. He needs to be a top waiver wire pickup for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. If even in a ten team format, he yep. should be your running back four pretty easily. Yeah, I, I still think that I'd rather have Devonte Freeman. I don't know if I, I might I might split on that. I might put Freeman up at number two, but um, especially if you have the luxury of waiting uh, waiting until say Wednesday night for your waivers and to see if uh, everything goes through with Freeman, then I'd feel better about it. If you got to do him tonight. Then it gets to be a little tricky, uh, and maybe you take yeah. the guy that's signed. Uh, so, so something something to think about there here. Um, but there's more running backs ah, here. Still more, more. There's more that factor into the list, and the guy <laughs> that uh, you know because it is election season. I'll go ahead and flip flop after we were talking about Malcolm Brown last week. Uh, Daryl Henderson from the Rams. I mean, we got Cam Akers. He exited with the ribs game. We'll have to monitor him in practice. Daryl Henderson's 33 percent rostered. Suddenly. He saw 12 carries to Browns 9, 6.8 yards per carry to Browns 4.3, and Henderson scored the only touchdown. He was also the only running back to get targets in the passing game. I suspect this whole thing will be a little bit fluid all year, and then I found that Malcolm Brown had that pinky injury that required a quick surgery, but apparently doesn't mean he's going to miss a lot of time. I don't know. What happens if he fumbles the ball once? You know, I can't, I can't imagine that having a, a broken finger helps that ball security at all. Um, and Henderson is a guy that has been hyped up in the past. He was a pretty high draft pick, someone we maybe thought the Rams would use more in the past. So here's a guy with a sneaky amount of upside that might get overlooked this week with all these other hot names. The only issue is who are you dropping from your team to pick up some of these guys? I don't mm-hmm. know. Like if I, I drafted Devin DuVernay everywhere, uh, or DuVernay, I should say, everywhere in my leagues that were super deep because I think he's a really talented guy. He's not getting involved in the offense right now. In more often than not, those situations, those deep leagues, you already have a Henderson rostered. You already probably have a Jarek McKinnon mm-hmm. rostered as well. I don't know about Mike Davis and, and probably not Deion Lewis as well, but those guys are already there. So, like, can you pick up uh, a Frank Gore and make him work? Can you pick up Miles Gaskins, who we mm-hmm. refused, we refused to talk about last week? Uh, despite well, we might have mentioned him a little bit. I was credited to Jerry Donabedian, who was all out on that and yeah. does his his hidden stats articles, which really were basically Miles Gaskin hype articles at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's another guy that's under twenty percent owned in Yahoo that could factor in. Yeah. I there's just not a lot of guys like you have AJ Dillon a lot. Like he's yep. probably a guy that you drop, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, looking through my draft list right now, I mean, uh, in a fourteen teamer, I'm probably going to let AJ Dillon go. Go the role doesn't seem to be you know I you take him as my last very pick as a flyer you know so someone like that is gone um you know i was silly enough to spend probably too much fab on benny snell last week in a league where 
Well, I mean, I owned, we all thought Connor yeah. was going to be out. Yeah, I own, I, I have Connor on my team, and uh, you know, obviously he came right back, and suddenly Benny Snell uh, misses a block early on, gets benched pretty much all the way into the fourth quarter, where he then fumbles the football, and Connor dominates all the touches. Well, you know, I can't look at the twenty one, twenty two dollars that I spent on Fab on him, and and you know, it's a sunk cost. I got, I got to part ways. You know, see you, Benny Snell. What do you think about Naeem Hines? Was this a flash? In the, was this week a little bit fluky, or does he get more involved moving forward? Because this was the Jonathan Taylor show. I mean, we're going to get to it with Paris Campbell when we talk about the wide receivers. I think they're going to have to have that production end up being somewhere. And mm-hmm. Hines, while I still don't believe he's that great of a runner, I do believe he's very talented as a wide receiver. And Frank Wright can scheme some things to get Hines involved, even if you don't have to have the designation as the guy out of the backfield. So Philip Rivers, we know, can't throw more than 20 yards down the field. Hines has to be more of a factor. I'm not dropping him yet, but how about a different pass-catching guy like LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, I We saw see him. Ronald Jones uh, do things week one, Fournette week two. McCoy got five catches mm-hmm. for 26 yards, should have had a better day. Yep. But when we're talking about um, a, a Devonta Freeman, a Mike Davis, a Jarek McKinnon, a Frank Gore, uh, Daryl Henderson, certainly Miles Gaskin, like yeah. they all have more defined upside. Exactly, and there I isn't mean, one from a in Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones is the starter, and Leonard Fournette's going to be the closer, and Lashawn McCoy is going to be maybe a change of pace, you know, in between. So if it weren't for his name, you'd think of McCoy the same way you'd think of like a Darwin Thompson or something from Kansas City. I was going to say Giovanni Bernard. Yeah, it just doesn't necessarily need to be Ross. Well, Bernard has a little bit more of a, a role because a uh, he did see almost half the snaps, and right. of course, there's value as you know uh, uh, the backup. Right, uh, we can't really say the age word anymore yeah the backup um, yeah the to backup mixon. to joe mixon uh so there's there's value in that sense but you know what with himes like if you're in a shallower league 10 or 12 teams like do you would you drop Hines to get mike davis or Devonte freeman uh do that's, i do i do i need line. help that's that, the hind line the right. hinds line I mean, like, if you have Barkley, this is an easy choice. You can just drop Barkley. If you have McCaffrey, more than likely you'll be able to put him on some sort of injured reserve. Hopefully your Mm -hmm. leagues, you listened Mm -hmm. to our podcast at the start of August, and you had your league set up to do that. But if you're debating between uh, David Johnson as your one starter and maybe you have Austin Eckler as a second starter and you found Ronald Jones in the seventh round, like, it gets to be hard with the roster construction. You have to understand what you have. Starting guys are a premium right now. Even Mm -hmm. if it's for a week, two weeks, three weeks, having a starting running back means your opponent does not. And I think that has to be a crucial factor in your roster construction as well. Send send Twitter questions to us. This is, Mm -hmm. I mean, JB Fantasy Sports, Roto Jake, we're going to be going over this because I think it's going to be a crucial Mm -hmm. aspect for a lot of people. My first first fab runs tonight, and I'm going to make a... My, this is going to be the longest fab list I do all year. It's going to have eight guys yep. for one player dropped and then seven guys for a second player dropped. These are going to be long, intricate intricate lists here for me. Uh, there's going to be a lot of action going on tonight. So, And even in the – I'm in a 14-team league where it's the one that we're in together. I don't know, man. Hines might be available for you in a couple of days. We'll see. Yeah, I, we we will certainly see. Do you feel like we've covered the running backs? I don't like. I, I hate it. People are gonna be listening. Mm-hmm. What do I gotta do with these? We didn't really answer any questions, but I'm trying to give you as much information <laughs> yeah. as possible because well, right now it's hard with your roster construction. Yeah. I mean, I think we we established that uh, you know that that Mike Davis is probably the number one. Freeman is your best long term option if you can survive this week. Like if you have your two running backs started starting this week, they're set, and you're replacing a bench option, then maybe Freeman is your uh, is your top 
bid this week. And then kind of going down the list, we look at McKinnon and we look at Daryl Henderson and Miles Gaskin. But, you know, Miles Gaskin, 49 snaps compared to 16 for Breida and 8 for Howard. Still a frustrating er, committee for me there because the carry numbers were a lot tighter than the snap numbers. And Miami, I just, I don't think is very good. And they're not going to be in positions to run out games. So, like, Miles Gaskin's in the mix. He should be rostered in your 12-teamers over some of those kind of guys that we mentioned. Or, you know, if you if you don't win your fab bids and are still hanging on to Barkley, you might as well get somebody. Go ahead and grab Gaskin, see what happens. Um, and then kind of, yeah, that kind of goes down the list. I mean, Frank Gore still out there short term for a dumpster fire of a team. And, you know, that's and, and then Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly works in the mix, too. So uh, Kelly's higher than Henderson mm-hmm. and Henderson is higher than Gaskin. So yep. that's kind of my my line of demarcation. Kelly is mm-hmm. higher than Henderson. Henderson is higher than Gaskin. Yeah. Um, so loosely, one more time for the people at home. Davis, Freeman, um, what do we got here? McKinnon. McKinnon, yep. Henderson. Or no, no, I have or Kelly. Kelly. I have Kelly. Kelly. I mean, you can do Kelly, whatever you want. <laughs> Kelly, then, okay, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just agree for the sake this time. Kelly, Henderson, Gaskin, Gore? Gore, yep. All right. If you have to go down to Frank Gore, you know, you might as well just mm-hmm. hit the exit button yeah. and just figure it out. Exactly. And your top guy is <laughs> 25 to 35, and your bottom guy is 2 to 4. That's pretty much how we can start that out, right? I think that's the yeah. most actionable advice we can give when it comes to running backs. I agree. I agree. Um, we'll move over to the wide receivers and tight ends. I wish that they weren't as uh, bountiful, but this is just a, a crazy week, too. So we'll get to them in just a little bit. I want to get a word from our sponsors, Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is a fancy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they're stocks. Ever heard someone say, I've had stock in this player since day one, like Patrick Mahomes, for example? You knew that would happen? Well, now it's a reality. You can create a a portfolio of all your favorite athletes and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply visit predictionstrike.com to create an account, then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players just like you would with real stock. Each game is like an earnings report. If the player beats his production, his stock moves up. It's just that easy. You can trade your shares of players at any time as long as that player isn't currently in the game. You can get started today by visiting predictionstrike.com and sign up for a code ROTOWIRE to get an additional additional $10 with your first deposit or more. Again, that's predictionstrike.com. Use promo code ROTOWIRE to get you that additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. All right, so waiver wire top pickup number one at the wide receiver spot or really just in total, was Paris Campbell last week. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be done for some time. Yep. Uh, MCL, PCL injuries. He got carted off, or is he done for the season, or just multiple it weeks? It looks like he hasn't been ruled out for the season yet, but I'm willing to bet a multi-week absence. This for kind of sure. thing, yeah. This kind of thing you don't just snap back from necessarily here. And it's funny because last week we were thinking, okay, well, Michael Pittman's maybe not having the role that we were going <laughs> to exactly. that we were going to see, and a lot of people drafted him to hold him, and and then had to make some tough decisions. Now, of course, you know. Election year, of course, we're going to flip flop here a little bit. But in all fairness, right? I think this one's fine. I, yeah, I, this one is passable. In all fairness, fantasy football to me, it's fifty percent skill and fifty percent opportunity, and it's almost a dead even split like that. Last week, Campbell, you know, maybe ranks like thirty five out of fifty skill points and fifty out of fifty opportunity points because he was getting the targets, you know, rivaling T. Y. Hilton even passing him. Now this week, obviously, Michael Pittman, who I rank closer to fifty in the skill. But uh, didn't quite have the opportunity before. He was like five in the opportunity. Suddenly he shoots up and he takes all of Campbell's opportunity points. And he's Michael Pittman is a guy that I believe in from the very beginning. You know, I love his uh, his physicality, his body type, all of that stuff is NFL ready here. It's a matter. And I thought with Rivers, he 
Michael Pittman would kind of be the Mike Williams type role like that. Um, and, you know, and, and that would be more his floor than his ceiling. I like Pittman's uh, athleticism. Watch his USC highlight tapes. The guy was insane. He tied Mo Ali Cox with a team high six targets, ended up only catching four for 37. Uh, but have to remember that Rivers only threw the ball 25 times due to game flow compared to 40 running plays. I think we see Pittman's volume gradually gradually shoot up and i think he could easily be the top receiver on the rankings list this week uh if he's able to succeed yeah especially with rivers just being unable to hit the routes that you'd imagine hilton to be most successful with Mm -hmm. there has to be somebody in the middle of the field and if there's not campbell and you're not using Hines as more of a receiver then the only natural conclusion has to be Pittman, or you go to the tight end position which Mm -hmm. ended up being a blossoming thing this past week and we'll get to that a little Mm -hmm. bit a little bit more of the show the other the other name i see on a lot of lists, Pascal. including uh, yeah, our own Kevin Payne chooses to profile Pascal over Pittman. Um, sure, you know he could end up be the guy that is more similar to a Paris Campbell. But it, in this type of bid, especially when people are throwing twenty, thirty, forty dollars on the running backs this week, I'm taking a two, three dollar bid yes. for Pittman in terms of upside. You know, Pascal seems like he's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of those you know five catches, forty yard weeks yep. where Pittman could possibly be a guy that can develop into a wide receiver three so i'm shooting upside here um and and hoping that i was right about a guy like him at the beginning of the year yeah and that's that's a good point uh, overall with how you're structuring your free agent um targets you have to go after the running backs everyone's gonna be paying high for that so you can kind of sneak a few more of these uh wide receiver Mm -hmm. opportunities by if if you're able to and i think the biggest deal with Pittman is now the opportunity is very clear and present like you mentioned he had 39 offensive snaps in week one now 67 in week two even if pascal is a factor in the slot just the the mere presence of Pittman on the field mm-hmm. means he's going to have more opportunities to potentially do things and i believe the talent that, yeah. is going to prove well then itself. the ty hilton targets just haven't been there i was thinking i almost pulled the trigger and then and then i yanked him at the end but i almost uh put hilton in dfs lineups you know given they were playing Minnesota this week, this past week, didn't really work out for Hilton, you know, partially game flow, partially he's just not getting looked at. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, so I'm going Pittman here and I'm not really looking back. Hilton did drop what, what very clearly looked like an obvious deep touchdown pass. And this kind of goes back to McCoy as well. He had five for 26, uh, with the Buccaneers, but he should have a touchdown catch. So maybe those numbers look a little bit different, but game script wise, I think this is what the Colts would want to do. They want to win games where they're running the ball 40 times. And I think Jonathan Taylor, and you look at their matchup this week again, it it, it seems to favor that sort of thing. So uh, Devontae Adams, our Packers, right? He had a bit of a hamstring injury. He got hurt, was out of drive, then came back, looked completely fine, I thought. Mm -hmm. And then they took him out when they were up by the three scores against the Lions. I don't think it's serious. Uh, I would feel very confident if Adams was playing the Saints this week that you're going to be firing him up on all cylinders for DFS purposes. But if he's out, I mean, Lazard, uh, which I'm surprised to see is under 50% owned in leagues, Mm -hmm. Lazard's a guarantee. And I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling, or MVS, as I'll call him the rest of the way, uh, at 36% owned too, Stonehands might be a guy that you have to go ahead and pick up as well if, if Adams is out. I mean, remember there was a point where Devontae Adams dropped a couple of passes early in his career, you know, dropped a possible yes. game winner against yes. New Orleans, and everyone's like, Jordan Cotta, Addison too. Yep, I mean, Rodgers tends to give these guys second chances, and they tend to not let him down more times than not. I'm not saying Valdez Scantling is that, but uh, regardless here, if you had Paris Campbell on your roster, right, and you miss your top couple of running backs, 
and you just need to pick up somebody after you know waivers process or put, put in zero dollar bids to back these guys with uh, both Lazard and Valdez Scantling should probably be owned in a similar sense uh, to why you would own or would roster a player like uh, Tony Pollard because he, he, there's not a huge role now but he's they're one break away from really making it and being a difference maker four targets for lazard in week one he got the touchdown pass he went four for four for 63 and a touchdown five targets in week two and again the game got kind of out of hand pretty quickly mm-hmm. i don't know if you're going to see it this week depending on where Lattimore matches up uh it's possible lazard just gets shut down which is fine he's a really really talented guy i mean you look at week four packers play the falcons week four monday night football i mean the over under for that probably it's two weeks out 70 points, right, at, at minimum. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where you're looking at both Marquez, Veldes, Scantling, or Lazard being almost guaranteed starts despite being uh, wide receiver twos and threes in the respective team. The matchup is going to be there. The point that you should be keeping out, though, they have a really early week five bye. That mm-hmm. might help when you're dropping players as well. Okay, I can just cut this guy right away. It goes back to your point. I'm not investing a huge uh, free agent budget on either one of those guys, mm-hmm. but I think you can absolutely start them in week four if you're trying to plan and yeah. project moving forward yeah definitely sneak him in if you can uh Nikhil harry 27 percent owned right now on yahoo uh 12 targets in that sunday night game which ended up being a really fun one mm-hmm. to watch eight for 72 newton threw 44 times the patriots are trailing yeah. early and often uh well except for that pick six to start the game i don't know you're not seeing newton throw 44 times again i think for the mm-hmm. patriots perspective and harry seemed to play through a concussion which I don't know if we're supposed to mention or not, but maybe he shows up on the injury report this week or the Patriots might be doing some funky things if that's the case. Uh, but either way, he looked pretty yeah. impressive. Well, uh, that all and, he, and that and he had been dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury coming into that. Um, no, I'm seeing Harry rank pretty highly on a lot of uh, lists like that. I mean, the Raiders, they're 16th against wide receivers, the Chiefs, then he's got the Broncos and then a bye. Um I think there will eventually be a passing of the guard in New England. If it's not early, um, it'll be later on from Edelman to Harry being the top guy. I mean, I like Harry. I like Harry's upside a lot better than a guy like Demir Bird, for example, if you're just looking at the box scores. Bird had six catches for 72 yards. But, no, Newton seems comfortable going to Harry, and that is plenty for me. Um, Harry and Edelman, there's plenty of uh, targets to go around in that situation because, you know, again, part of that – might have to do with the tragic situation with James White not playing. He gets a lot of carries as the running back usual. And targets. Yeah, yeah, or targets. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean with the uh, wide receiver breakdown. So, you know, Burkhead got a little bit of that, but it wasn't quite the exact same level. You know, if they're trailing, White has a massive role here late in games. You know, as you know, just think back to that Atlanta Super Bowl, for example. Anyway, not to get too off track, Harry's is the number two wide receiver there with number one skill and potential. So, uh yeah, you definitely have to think about putting him on your ad list as well. And you bring up the Raiders matchup this week. We just saw Kamara decimate them as a pass-catching running threat. Mm-hmm. If White's able to play, I don't know. Like that's yeah. that's one of those things, you know, you point to the sky and see what happens. But I think um, James White would be a pretty crucial factor for the offense as opposed to just saying, hey, they're playing the Raiders. i got to go get Harry. I, I don't know if that necessarily mm-hmm. works for me. That's but fair. he is a wide receiver again, much like Alan Lazard or MVS. Um or even Michael Pittman and Zach Pascal, who you could probably sneak in without having to pay too much of your budget. Go ahead and acquire. Yeah, absolutely superior to carrying dead weight on your bench. Yes, uh, Russell Gage at, at this point is a for sure thing. He had twelve targets, or sorry, nine targets uh, last week. Uh, like if Julio Jones plays or not, doesn't really matter. The Falcons' defense is miserable. We know they have to uh, pass atrocious. often. 
Uh, this is going to be a scenario where Gage, I think, has value even as a wide receiver three behind your boy mm-hmm. Kelvin Ridley, behind my boy Julio Jones. Um, and especially if Julio Jones is out, it seems to be kind of limited with yeah. a hamstring injury mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. it's Our latest note on Julio said he's playing through a hamstring injury, right? And even if Julio Jones is on the field, we know he doesn't catch touchdowns at this point, right? So, uh, you know, while most of those are going to Ridley, there might still be some room to go to Gage, especially given how, like you said, how atrocious that this defense is. They've got the Bears. Then the Packers, then the Panthers, then the Vikings. So it's a very – and then the Lions. Holy cow, this is a amazing stretch for possible Atlanta wide receivers here. Go out and get Russell Gage because he's, he's absolutely on this list. You know, I wasn't thinking about that because, I don't know, when I think of Nikhil Harry, I think, okay, high you know high draft pick, high profile, uh, you know, got the physical sc- skill sets of a wide receiver. When I think of Russell Gage, I don't quite see him in the same light. I, you know, I kind of see him as a, as a guy that uh, – he's going to be third tier on his team no matter what, where Harry's higher. But now that I'm starting to talk through this argument, I could very much see a case being made for Russell Gage. Well, this is the opportunity thing that you talked about, right? 50% Mm -hmm. skill, 50% opportunity. Uh, He's got like 90% opportunity right now with how bad the Falcons' defense are and how much they need to pass the ball. So regardless of the talent he has, he's the number three receiver on offense that's passing the ball the most in the NFL. Um, Might even be more than Josh Allen. I guess I'm not certain Mm -hmm. without looking at the stats. Very clear to me that you have to go ahead and get Russell Gage. If he is not more than 45% owned uh, in Yahoo formats, there's something wrong. Uh, Like Lazard shouldn't be 47%. Gage needs to be higher as well. Uh, I would have both Lazard and Gage higher than either Pascal or Michael Pittman, and I know you and I both love Pittman. But those guys, it's it's not even close. Those have to be more mm-hmm. rostered. Uh, Do just, some quick hitters because yeah. there are some guys in the thirty five percent rostered, um, you know that uh, that are worth a look. You know we mentioned Curtis Samuel above; he's twenty seven percent rostered. Jalen Rigor still only thirty five percent rostered, which seems a little bit weird to me. I think that that could explode at any week now. And then Sammy Watkins is hurt. We always talk about this. Uh, Sammy Watkins has a concussion. You know we'll see what that means for his playing status in the immediate future but after Watkins went out uh, Miko Hardman got a little bit more involved in that drive uh, in that game against the Chargers and Hardman after a couple quiet weeks is down to 36% rostered maybe even lower so he's someone that needs to be on the radar too yeah I you know of that group I think very clearly I would rather still have the guys Lazard, Gage, everything else like that. Hardman makes the most sense as an upside play, but you were drafting him in rounds 9 and 10 for that same reason. If you cut him now, you're just being over-anxious. This is exactly the type of play where mm-hmm. Hardman makes sense, but the Chiefs haven't really used him to that extent. Yeah, uh, And I get a little bit concerned when a guy does returner stuff and then also gets asked to go ahead and be a receiver. Like there's there's more injury risk when you are doing returner stuff like Hardman does. Yeah. And he's so good at it. I don't blame the Chiefs exactly. for it. I'm still not dropping Hardman though for Harry or probably even Gage, to be honest. I think I'm taking Gage over Hardman because of that rundown the matchups that you mentioned for Gage in the weeks to come. Again, like that Packers Falcons over under has to be at seventy at this point and over two weeks out. But that that seems to be Pretty promising. I'm like switching gears to a different form of pass catchers at tight end position. A lot of that cropped up late. The guys that we might have been looking at, Jordan Reed, mm-hmm. ended up being a huge factor with his two touchdowns. We really tried to emphasize Logan Thomas. He was a bit of a letdown if you need to use him, uh, like I did. Uh, and then OJ Howard, well, the turned back into a pumpkin, but. Gronk also is a pumpkin too right now. Like Gronk mm-hmm. is just about droppable in every sort of source. Remember that narrative about Bruce Arians just not using tight ends? Apparently, I, apparently that's holding true because he's got you know a high draft pick who's very skilled and one of the best tight ends of all time on on his team. And he, and even when a guy like Chris Godwin, who's a target monster, is out, he can't seem to find a way to use them. 
Yeah. I mean, Kittle seems to be coming back, so maybe you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. There's um, Other than Austin Hooper, most of those top 10 tight ends have been doing ex- what you kind of mm-hmm. hope for. Um, uh, boy, Tyler Higby, for example, is one of those guys that's kind of broken out to what you were hoping for, Dallas Goddard, the mm-hmm. week before. You might not need to have a tight end in a 12-team league if you do. Well, Wally Cox, the guy that got over 100 receiving yards this past week, uh, mm-hmm. and we know Rivers loves to use tight ends. This is about as no-brainer as you get, and I think you can actually get them cheaper so long as Jack Doyle is out um, and mm-hmm. Trey Burton as well. As long as those guys are out, this is a pretty guaranteed four for 60-yard performance kind of guy that yeah. you don't find on the waiver wire tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mo Alley-Cox, he's, he's a very interesting situation. I, I serve as the college basketball editor at Rotowire, and I remember him getting rebounds for VCU. And, you know, what other former basketball player has Philip Rivers enjoyed going to frequently oh, over, oh, over his it, career? I I think Antonio Gates. One. Yeah, I think you got one. Um, but, no, Moelle Cox, obviously he played college football or college basketball for all those years and is just getting into football. And now that he's had a couple years in the league to kind of get it together, learn what it is to be a tight end. I mean, he's got, the, he's got a big body that would be perfect for blocking, right? So a lot of people kind of wrote him off as just a blocker. But as he starts to learn the game, you know, Mario our Mario Puig has a couple good threads about him on Twitter. As he starts to learn the game more, he becomes very, very much a jump ball option. And, it's, and if the hands are good and, and we can believe it, uh, he could be a factor after Doyle comes back. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and, and again, if you are in need of tight end, you might not. I mean, that's the, that's the unfortunate problem. If you're in need of tight end, it makes complete sense. There is another guy, Dalton Schultz. Uh, you're breaking my heart with this Blake Jarwin injury, but mm-hmm. Schultz has stepped up and been the key t- uh, target. Now, Cowboys were trailing the whole game, and they had to pass a bunch. Yep. He got 10 targets, nine of which he turned into 88 yards and a touchdown. It's possible you can see Schultz's production and be like, hey, this is the guy that I thought Jarwin was going to be. I'm I'm pumping the brakes on that. There's a lot of other quality pickups, whether it be at running back or wide receiver, and even Mo, Mo Cox as well. Uh, and Jordan Reed, too, if Kittle were to be out for this mm-hmm. consecutive, consecutive week. I like all those guys instead because I just don't think the Cowboys are going to have to pass as much mm-hmm. as they did. And they're, the middle of the field won't be susceptible against the Seahawks yeah. as it was the Falcons. Well, okay, so I think the Cowboys are actually going to have to continue to throw a whole lot <laughs> to uh, to stay in some of these games because that defense is, is looking a little shaky, especially early, and the Leighton Van Der Esch thing is really going to hurt them. But here's what I think the deal is, the unsung factor. I think I pulled this off a Reddit thread, so credit to the guys who uh, were posting that. Um, okay, Tyrone Smith was out for the Cowboys. Their offensive line is a little bit weaker than what it's used to be, and Dak Prescott, Prescott is getting tons of heat so that means in those situations Gallup's hardly been targeted and Gallup's the wide receiver that works downfield all the time right so that means if if Prescott's forced to get rid of the ball earlier before some of the larger downfield routes can develop like he'd like that means a lot more targets you're seeing go to CD Lamb and of course then you're seeing a lot more go to a guy like Dalton Schultz um you know we were pretty lukewarm on him at the start of last week uh of course he had a good game but I am willing to let somebody else overpay for him a little little bit this week as opposed to putting a double digit bid on myself prescott threw for 47 times so yes i agree with you the cowboys are gonna have to Mm -hmm. throw because the defense isn't very good they're not gonna throw 47 times i just don't i don't see that Mm -hmm. happening more like 35 times so if they cut down 12 attempts how many of those are from schultz and i think it's probably four or five so yes he's still a guy that's gonna get four or five targets there's Mm -hmm. a reason why people are so excited about jimmy graham last week because he was getting targets and we all know what jimmy graham is so and well and gallup's not toast right he, no, like Gallup. Some people might be thinking, "Oh, maybe it's time to drop Gallup. He's just not getting the targets." Uh, that would be a that would be a huge, huge mistake if that mis- if that thought has crossed your mind here. Like I said, as the line improves, he'll go downfield more, and some of those Schultz 
targets will go to a guy like Well, Gallup. I think even CeeDee Lamb's going to get better with those over-the-middle the targets. It's, it's why I wasn't targeting CeeDee Lamb because I thought Blake Jarwin was going to do that thing. Well, Jarwin's now out. I think mm-hmm. Lamb really becomes the biggest beneficiary of that injury. Yeah. Um, so I get it. Nine for 88 in touchdown. Wow, that's great. Not going to happen against the Seahawks. Dial it down. Mo Ali mm-hmm. Cox, certainly Jordan Reed as well. If Kittle is out for a yeah. second consecutive week, I'd rather go that yeah. direction. Jordan Reed to me is uh, he's the biggest trap out of this group, right? Because Kittle could very well come back in yeah. week three, number one. And number two, even if you get one more week out of Reed, like he's always been just an injury magnet. I think he is going to get Reed for basically nothing because everyone's going to have that same mm-hmm. thought. And See, you only I, pick up Reed yeah. if Kittle's out. I think there's going to be one person in leagues that, you know, has a tight end situation that is going to spend too much money on Reed. And I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm underestimating some of my league mates. Let me introduce you to new Antonio Gates, Moali Cox then, because I think exactly. that's a very clear pickup. Drew Sample, mm-hmm. uh, one last tight end option, nine targets against the Browns. Uh, CJ yeah, uh, Uzoma is going to be out for – a while, I think. You think he had a pretty serious I'm looking injury. at him right now. He's actually on the IR with yeah. an Achilles injury. So you're looking uh, – he is out for the season with a torn right Achilles. Uh, samples the guy there. Um, Rookie quarterbacks and tight ends. I get it. Yep. Yeah, maybe. I, I understand the connection. I mean, Tyler Boyd still – I think he's the number one target to be had there. A.J. Green is getting a ton of volume, but if he keeps not doing anything with it, then who knows how long the tech – can continue and of course they can throw to the backs too i don't get crazy excited about true sample especially when some of these other players are out there but it's just a deep he's on league. the radar because you uh i've seen more and more this year some two tight end leagues just trying to get creative sure. so there's a lot of people like dan arnold the tight end for the cardinals for the same type of thing i think sample could make sense for that mm-hmm. perspective when i say dan yeah. arnold you're like who yeah like a top Jor- 32 jordan tight akins end. for the, for the texans yeah or daniel we talked Fels, about right. yeah yep. yeah we talked about him week one akins, akins be good yeah he's actually running a lot of the yeah. routes there so uh um especially if uh i mean i took a big zero from will fuller in one league this week and it <laughs> yeah. seems like they went to the tight ends a little bit more maybe akins throws into that that discussion here as well but uh just because we talked about him last week we kind of want to talk about the new blood a little bit we're out, we're an hour and 10 minutes into this podcast and i haven't even let you have your victory lap you won our culver's board bet and made sure to rub it in my face before the podcast walking in with culver's you had the buccaneers defense outscoring my packers defense i thought i got so sneaky when we had the interception return for a touchdown against the lions i felt so Mm -hmm. good about it and then i look over and the buccaneers had like four sacks five turnovers Mm -hmm. uh they went nuts and the panthers did panther stuff i thought i was immediately toast as soon as obviously i was celebrating the packers touchdown but i thought i was immediately toast as soon as he got into the end zone there and i'm thinking again here i am going to lose another one of these stupid board bets when he he was just as easily could have fallen down at the one yard line when he watched it when he lost his footing and it's like okay another one of these stupid bets is going to come down to you know like eight inches but the bucks came through for me and the bucks are 50 percent owned uh when i checked monday night they might be a little bit higher rostered a little bit uh now but they've got a beautiful stretch ahead they have jeff jeff driscoll this week then the following week is either taylor or herbert and then mitch trubisky so you've got you know just three weeks of quarterbacks that are either young inexperienced or or just bad or love turning the ball over or all of yeah or all the above so uh tampa bay needs to stay on the roster uh for the foreseeable future especially if you're a defense streamer you don't need to worry about streaming your defense this week yeah no i think i think that's the definitely correct call and honestly they are kind of a pretty high pickup for me but i'm in a league or i'm in a lot of leagues that haven't had major injury concerns all those running backs a few of those wide receivers molly cox are all names i'd much rather have than the buccaneers defense but i do want to reinforce again buccaneers defense the schedule they have coming up is certainly the one that you want to target 
other examples possibly for streaming options, Cardinals against the Lions. I had the Packers last week. The mm-hmm. Cardinals defense looks better than we've seen in past weeks. They are 2-0 yeah. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think actually Stafford and company can move the ball well enough if yeah. they decide to give less Peterson carries to mm-hmm. uh, carry on and DeAndre Swift, that's and for then, the better. And then the other factor you know, is Kenny Galladay. Could Probably return. coming back this week, I think. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, the one that I actually like better than Arizona is the Indianapolis Colts. They're only 47% rostered. They have a home game against the Jets. The Jets are banged up. They are injured. Uh, Adam Case is their coach. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they just have everything counting against them this year, and uh, they're a laughing stock. So I'd go ahead and, and take the Colts as probably the number two streaming option after Tampa Bay. I don't think I would, you know, you're not, you're, I don't think you're going to have to do this, but I actually would rather have the Giants defense against whatever the second string version of the 49ers is than um, the Cardinals defense against the Lions. And I know I would rather have the Titans defense against the Vikings and their first string offense uh, okay. right now, too. So, but you Cousins I mean, had just like a record low quarterback rating right. against, against, the, uh, against the Colts here. Yeah. So maybe it's the Colts defense, also probably a lot of Cousins. Yeah, so all in on the Buccaneers. I also am fine with your Colts, uh, Colts choice as the number two streaming defense, but there are other options if you have to go that direction for mm-hmm. a couple of the weeks. All right, well, that does it for us. I know it's it a pretty up. long podcast here, but there's a lot of injuries. I mean, there's a lot of things. And certainly if you have questions, have roster concerns, we've been answering Twitter questions all week. I anticipate that's going to continue. Uh, you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. You can get Jake at Roto Jake as well. Uh, and you know any other roster questions, certainly feel free to reach out. We'll try to answer them as best we can. All right, rock on. It's been a fun one. I mean, this is one of the most loaded waiver wire podcasts I think I've ever done in five years. Hopefully, hopefully we won't have this type of depth in future weeks because that means yes. less guys are hurt. But uh, it is 40 minutes next week, guys. Let's go. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.